Hi, Love Leaders. It's Dr. Shannon Roberts, your host for the Love Leading Podcast, where we discuss how to create connection in your most important relationship that God designed, bringing health and sometimes healing while deepening intimacy. Welcome to the show. Welcome, everyone, to Love Leading with Dr. Shannon. I am so thrilled that you have joined us again. And we have such a great professional that I'm going to be talking with today. And you will just grow to love her as much as I have. Um, she is a professional photographer. She is in now into the photographer education field. But um, most importantly, she is a courage coach, and you're going to hear all about how that transition has happened in her life. Most importantly, oh my gosh, I always love to highlight um, those love leaders in our community that love hard and love well. And I just have fallen in love with her love story, and she's been willing to come with us today to share that with us. And so we want to welcome... Ashley Strong-Smith. Ashley, so glad that you joined us today. Thank you. I'm so honored to be here. Thank you. So my goodness, we met, um, we were trying to figure it out. It was the fall of 2019. Um, You um, are in California. And so I think I was out there doing a retreat with my executive coach at the time. And you came in and you did these professional headshots. Mm. Uh, and well, not just headshots. I mean, just, I don't even know what you call them because that's your lingo, but you made me look amazing. Um, and that, that's no, um, small feat, but, um, also I just, I just grew to love your energy and your vibe. And I've stayed in contact with you since then and have been reading up on your journey and your stuff. And I just love to lean into people that have such unique love stories. So anyway, um, tell me, tell my community just a little bit about yourself and then we'll just dive into your story. Yeah. Oh, I love that. It's always so fun to recount how our interactions like initiate. Um, yeah, love that. That was in Laguna beach when we met, actually, it was gorgeous. Yeah, it was on, it was at the, like the montage montage. Yeah. Oh. Absolutely I love that place. Oh, that place is magical. I love it. Um, Hi, friends. I'm Ashley Strong Smith. So yeah, I live in the mountains in Southern California. So it's kind of funny where the rest of Southern California is like experiencing this heat wave right now. Um, I'm in the mountains where we just had snow on Monday. um, And it's like exciting when it's 44 degrees up here this time of year, which I'm just so grateful for. I know I got to give them the, the, the drawback. I mean, not um, the, the setting, because this is a podcast and a lot of them will be listening via audio, but I am looking at Ashley and she's got this beautiful fire going on in the back of her. And I'm just so jealous because I'm in Tampa, Florida. And even though we pretend to get cold weather, we don't really get cold weather. So... Uh, well, I, I feel you. So I grew up my whole life in Southern California, right next to the beach where it was like 70 and Christmas every single year. And in May of 2021, we bought our first house and actually moved up to the mountains. And so this is my first time in my life where I have proper seasons and like snow and fall and cold and like, yeah, and quite a blessing. So, but in short, I'm, yeah, I'm Ashley Strong Smith. Um, I've got an incredible little family, which we'll come to hear about my 
husband, Dan, who I just feel insanely honored to just have as a partner. Um, and we have a three and a half year old daughter who is just hilarious and rambunctious and intuitive and turning into a proper mountain girl. We took her snowboarding for the first time yesterday. So we were just oh, cool. <laughs> loving the mountain life. Um, and then we've got a dog who's a year old. She's a German shepherd border collie and just two really entertaining cats. We've, um, and so we've got a very full house over here in the mountains. Awesome. awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. For someone to have been kind of mainly behind the camera, making other people look good and you transitioning um, to being kind of front center and being now you've got your own podcast out and you are kind of, you know, helping people um, shine from the inside out now. I, I mean, I can't wait to get into that story, but it all kind of from what I, you know, want you to highlight. Tell us a little bit about how you met your now husband. Uh, <laughs> oh, I love telling the story so much. And I wish that you could see the video because behind me is a ton of photos from like oh, I see. Yes. on the mantle above the fireplace. We have a fun story. And you know, it's so, I love when this happens in the universe, but my daughter this morning on the way to school, she goes to school a couple days a week. She was asking how daddy and I met, which no way. Kid you not. Like, and she was asking like really specific details, which yeah, she hasn't before. She was prepping you for our podcast. Totally was. She's very intuitive. I said, like, she always knows what's going on. Um, my husband and I, I just, the universe intervened. So I am very, um, I believe in getting signs from the universe. So I in college studied Africana studies at California State University, Long Beach. Um, I was extremely into African history, not just in the United States, but like African history starting originating in Africa. I just had such a fascination and such a curiosity. So studied Africana studies. Um, and I always, when I was in college, wanted to go teach somewhere in Africa. I didn't know where actually in the beginning, I didn't know that I wanted to teach. I just knew that I needed to like step foot on the continent of Africa because of how much it resonated with me. So throughout college, I started to learn about programs and different ways to go to Africa, but a lot of what like I found the programs that I'd found, they are pay to go. So like, you don't get paid to go and volunteer. Not not that you should get paid to go and volunteer, but like 100% of the expenses are like to go and do whatever. So huge sacrifice, huge sacrifice. Well, and in college, like, I mean, I could not afford anything, but what the like the, the ramen noodles and craft macaroni and cheese <laughs> exactly but the mere basics so i kind of had just put it to the wayside and then graduated college got the whole 9 to 5 job my like i actually loved my job and my bosses were phenomenal but like it just kept ticking and ticking and ticking like you need to go to africa you need to go to africa wow and so a couple years in there was a pretty profound moment in my life i was a couple years into my 9 to 5 out of college and there was this fountain below our office building and i would always take my lunches outside and sit next to this fountain and hear the water and one day i just got this voice that just kept saying like are you actually living 
or are you just existing? Ooh. No, like, Ooh. are you actually living or are you just existing? And at that time in my life, it's like I was going through the motions of what I thought I was supposed to do and what was expected yeah. of me in society. But like, just- yeah, like the further I went into it, the more lost and confused I was because I wasn't living in harmony with what I knew was my calling. So fast forward a bit, I, this happened and I'm like, okay, what you like, what do you want me to do? You know, like, what am I supposed to do with this information? And sure enough, I just kept getting these nudges of like, you need to go teach, you need to go teach, you need to go teach. And so I found so that why teaching was the thing. I mean, there's so many ways to go and just even like vacation, explore service in right. Africa. Right. It's what, your the door. Right. But what gravitated me to teaching was um, I had always like I studied Africana studies, but I also studied marketing. I'd wanted to work in nonprofit, but I truly like out of college, I had all the paperwork and was like ready to sign to join the Peace Corps. And I chickened out because of a 27 month commitment. Yeah. And through the Peace Corps, how I learned like education was the way to go. So I found a program, a program called World Teach, who um, phenomenal. I like haven't checked what they're doing today. This was this was over a decade ago now, actually a decade ago this year that I um, applied and got accepted. So I wound up applying and going through this whole application process to go teach English and what was Tanzania. Yeah. You could either choose three months, six months, or a year. And at the time, I couldn't afford to do longer than three months. And my work actually gave me a sabbatical, which was just the greatest gift. So they gave me a three-month sabbatical. So I packed up my cubicle and I went and taught English um, what started. So it was either, I didn't know exactly where in Tanzania I would go, but went for in-cultural training and like the English training of the program we were teaching. And I was on mainland Tanzania and there was gosh, I don't remember how many of us, but then we got divided into a few different like work sites. And six of us went to a place called Mafia Island, Tanzania. So Mafia Island, I've never even heard of that. Yeah. So it's a small island off the coast of Tanzania. So it's about an hour, like, you know, those tiny planes that hold like four to six people, (laughs) that's what you take to get there. So it's about an hour plane ride from Dar es Salaam, which is the capital of Tanzania, to a place called Mafia Island. Um, There I was living. I I feel like I could draw the story out, so I'll speed it up a little bit. (laughs) I got to live with a local family as part of the English program. It was like the most beautiful experience. I lived with a local family, um, ate all my meals with another local family who cooked for me. Wow. Um, I mean, you were just immersed. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Like the way cooking is in Tanzania is just like a language of love and an art. And so there was a woman named Mama Dixon who was in charge of like all my meals. Um, It was so special. And about halfway through the program, the woman who implemented the English teaching program on the island, her and her husband owned a Welsh art conservation camp and on the neighboring island owned a treehouse lodge. They still do. And so at this was in and of itself are so fascinating. Well, shark conservation. I'll, I'll dive into it. Well, I, mean, I, I don't want to sidetrack you, but yeah. I was like going, wow, yeah. I'm trying to envision both of those guys. Yeah. But anyway, okay. Right. 
fast forward. <laughs> yes. Um, and so it was mid-semester evaluations. And so the Welsh Art Conservation Camp is like literally a beach camp right on the beach. And so the woman who implemented our program was like, after we're done with our training, you guys are welcome to go and swim and use the facilities and do as you will. And so I was extremely close with my local family at the time, Raymond, the little boy that I lived with was only three and a half. And he literally became like my best friend. So Raymond and Mama Ray came and met me at this beach camp and we were going to swim. So I get there, um, put my stuff down. We all, me and a couple other teachers and my local family go down to the beach and we're like hanging out and playing. And of course I want to go up to get my camera. Of course, I go up to the like beach camp where my bag and camera were. And there is this man sitting there and I'm like, hi, like all excited. I had no idea who he was. Um, he was a Caucasian man. And on the Island, there's very few Caucasians. Caucasian. Like, it is like a locals only Island. It's tourism is not that big there. And he spoke with, and I don't even, he just literally was like, hi, with the cutest accent ever that I, came to find out was a South African accent. And I'm like, well, I'm down on the beach hanging out with my local family. Like you want to come hang out with us. And so <laughs> the introduction right away. <laughs> oh, just, I was like, you want to like the Island's so small. Yeah. So him and Yanni, who was, um, on the Island, you've got like Maasai warriors who serve as, um, oh. like security and yeah. just kind of like, so it was so funny because him and a guy named Yanni, who was the Maasai warrior, who like was the security guard for the camp, came down and we spent the afternoon just like playing all of us on on the island um, and then went back up. And he was like, do you want to stay for a cup of tea? And I'm like, duh. Like, yeah, <laughs> duh. I want to stay for a cup of tea um, oh and gosh. stayed for a cup of tea and then went back to where we were staying and then the next day, a bunch of the students or a bunch of the teachers that I was teaching with had signed up to go on one of his well shark tours. So what this well shark conservation camp is, is Tanzania has one of the largest congregations of well sharks, which if you don't know what they are, they literally as big as a bus. They're huge, right? They're called the gentle giants of the ocean because they literally eat plankton. Like all they eat plankton and that's what they live on and you can swim with them because they're so gentle and so what Dan was doing was not only was he like running this company where you can take tours to swim with it but he was teaching the locals how to turn this into a sustainable business to where you're not hurting the ocean you're not hurting and it's safe practices so the next morning a bunch of the teachers were going to go with him. And I, I couldn't, to be honest, like transparent, I couldn't afford to go because I was going to go travel in Zanzibar afterwards. Mm. Um, and so, but I went with the teachers to like, just the like camp area. And of course, saw him again, said hello. Fast forward to the following week. I'm at Mama Dixon's house, the woman who made me all my meals. meals uh-huh. and- we're sitting on the her like stoop or front porch after lunch, and all of a sudden, a bajaji, which is like a three wheeled vehicle, um, they're not two, but was driving by, and I saw him in the back of the baz- the bajaji, and I could not remember his name, so I literally start jumping up and down like next to Mama Dixon, being like Jumbo, Jumbo, which is hello in Swahili. 
And the guy who, so all of these people became our friends. So like Bateza, who was driving. How could you not be your friend if you're like, are just like jumping up and down? <laughs> like, Hello. I love that. I love the vulnerable risk. I love it. Yeah. I love it. There, was, there was no hiding there. I was, <laughs> who are you? If you can't, I know you can't see me, but I'm like throwing my hands up in the air. Um, and so the driver literally, like they had passed and like kept going. And I'm like, cool. Like there goes the cutest and like the, the most glorious man. And all of a sudden it started backing up and he stops. And to make another long story short, they were um, going to the neighboring island for a friend's birthday. And he's like, do you want to come? And at first I was like, no, I can't. I got to teach tomorrow. And then I was like, who am I kidding? Yes, I'm going to come. Hi, I'm calling all women out there who are tired of mediocrity and lack of freedom. Or maybe you just don't want to sell for plain old vanilla anymore. Maybe you're feeling stuck and tired and you really truly don't know what it's like to live exceedingly in your mind and in your body and in your spirit. If this is you, join me, Dr. Shannon Roberts, for a live event Monday, November 29th where you can begin learning the shifts that you can put into place to truly make 2023 life-changing. So click the link, join our exceedingly Facebook group and community so you'll have access to the live stream. I'll see you on the inside. So I took um, a Bajaji later that evening to go catch a ferry to go to the other island and i kid you not that entire day he did not or that entire evening like he did not leave my side and it was like we were refriend we were like old friends reconnecting like the no way you just clicked like that i literally like i even like said to him like gosh like i feel like i know you you know like i feel like i've met you before like it was just that familiar and then after that, he actually went back to South Africa for about a month and a half to get some stuff organized because then he was coming back to manage the treehouse lodge, which was on the neighboring island, which is where okay. that was in the okay. play. And so I was still on the island when we went back to South Africa and we stayed in touch. And he literally got back to my island two days before I was leaving to go travel in Zanzibar and then go back to the United States. And I'm like, do I get to see you, you know? And literally at that point, he was managing the lodge on the neighboring island. And he's like, come have dinner and like stay in the tree houses. And I'm like, is this a joke? You know, like, a, uh, like Tarzan and Jane moment. Like, yeah, I was going to say, this is like another world. <laughs> I'm going to go stay in a tree house with this hunk of a South African man. And I kid you not, I like, so this was at this point, this was the third time I had seen him. Right. Him. Exactly. Um, and it was again felt like even more so old friends connect, just like reconnecting. We like had wine and like watched the sunset, and then there at the treehouse lodge, like dinners communal. So had a communal dinner, went back to the treehouse, and like literally just it was the most glorious night of my life. Woke up the next morning and got on my ferry, and not only went back to my island, but then took a plane to go back to Dar es Salaam to then go back to, well, first travel in Zanzibar for about a week and then go back to the United States. 
Oh, wow. Wow. So literally only had like four different kind of days or opportunities to really kind of get to know each other and deepen this kind of what is this kind of thing? Listen, I listened to love stories every single day of my life over and over again for 30 <laughs> years. And of course, I love that part of my job because yeah. everybody lights up when they start talking about the origins of their you know, story together. And just like you are, you're lighting up. But this <laughs> is the most elegant, I guess. <laughs> so fun um so yeah so then we came back I don't know how extensive you want me to go but I'll kind of just like bring it together but then I came back to the states he was in Tanzania for an indefinite amount of time and we like kept in contact and I'm like was I a fling like was this just something fun like I obviously started no how do you know (laughs) I obviously started developing feelings for him because I'm like what is this you know like that was like the most magical thing I've ever experienced and so I sent him a message I was extremely vulnerable and I'm like look like I really like you like that like what was that to you? Like, what are we doing? And he literally replied and was like, will you be my girlfriend? Halfway oh, how cute. With us yeah, half- he forgot to ask that question. Come yeah. to this island with me. Come to the tree lodge. Come to, oh, and can you also be my girlfriend? <laughs> like we had, and at that point, we literally had no idea how or when we would ever see each other again. And so we started this relationship halfway across the world. And then eight months later, I went to South literally Africa. halfway across the world, literally halfway across the world. And then, yeah, eight months later, I, so a lot happened. Tell me exactly how you did that. I mean, this was 10 years ago. I'm sure technology wasn't nearly as, and the time zone thing. And, you know, tell me, how did you, I mean, that's a hurdle, right? So how did we do that eight months before going to South Africa? Yeah. Um, so thank goodness for technology. Um, there's an app called WhatsApp. So what was really beautiful was like, when I was waking up, he was starting to go to bed. When he was starting okay. to go to bed, I was waking up. And so we just made it a point that like we would always like t- there there wasn't a day that went by without being able to touch base. And it was just tons of like okay, that slow that down because this is huge. Okay. There wasn't a day that we didn't make it a point to touch base. And this is so real. I mean, listen, I work with couples today and they live under those same roof. And they find it hard to carve in time and space each day to touch base. So if you're saying you can do that from halfway across the world and technology, you know, difficulties and challenges, I bet that really catapulted just that foundational knowing, emotional engagement, friendship, right? Oh, yeah. I think like one of the things that I'm so grateful for, and it's been interesting watching how like my photography business transpired and even into my courage coaching, but like we had to build a foundation of nothing but like trust and communication because we didn't have the luxury of just like together going to the grocery store like all these things that we take for granted in a partnership like we didn't 
have that luxury. And so we had to figure out a way to still have these like intimate, like connections and moments and experiences. And the, the trick too, was we kept each other very engaged with one another's lives. Like it was very like, even though they couldn't experience the other person couldn't experience what was going on. Like I described to a T like who was there, like, what were you doing? What the setting was like. And it was to be, it wasn't because there was trust issues. It was to be able to bring him into the scene and the Nice. Yeah. I love that. We don't do a good job with that. We get lazy in those relationships. So I'm loving that you're highlighting this. All right. So fast forward eight months and, you know, later. Yeah. Eight months later, I went to South Africa for a month. So in between the time I had gotten my like yoga teacher, teacher certification, I'd gotten my TEFL to teach English around the world because I knew that like, this was the start of an adventure. So I went to South Africa for a month straight and just fell like madly in love. While I was in South Africa, I had gotten a teaching job in Costa Rica because that was actually my plan the whole time was to go to Costa Rica afterwards. Um, he, It was one of the hardest decisions ever because yeah. he asked me not to go and wanted me to stay in South Africa, but I knew I needed to go. So went to Costa Rica. It was supposed to be for a year, wound up only being for six months went back to South Africa. And then that started a year of like us being in South Africa. And then we got to go back and live and work in Tanzania, the same Island run the treehouse lodge that we had met at. We got to do all that together for six months. Um, and then came back to the States and then for three and a half years for every, so I would be in the States for six months, South Africa for three months, the States for six months, South Africa for three months while we, awaited, forth, okay. while we awaited his visa, his K-1 fiance visa to be approved to actually be able to come to the States. Oh my gosh. I mean, that was so packed. Um, I know it, it fitted into such a short amount of podcasting. It doesn't even seem like we can give it justice. But one thing I heard is you didn't, you didn't lose your individual self and your individual pursuits of passion. Um, and you were both very um, sacrificial in the way that you were leaning in and taking turns. Um, but my gosh, you could have had every possible challenge against you. And somehow that courting, that dating was kind of years before you saw finally a settling on how you could see how this was going to, you know, evolve into fruition. And I'm sure there were people in your lives that were like going, come on, Ashley. Everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh my goodness. And so he made over here. And the big thing is, is he is now, he's now a citizen, right? Yeah. So it took us, so he finally got to arrive in 2016. Um, We got, we got to have a proper wedding with all of our family from around the world. January 21st of 2017, he became a firefighter in 2020, got hired um, for Orange County here in California. First responder. And then that same year in November, no, I lied. The following year in November of 2021, he was able to get a citizenship. So he's now here. Yeah. It's it, it like, it's, it's incredible what he has been able to do and bring to life since coming. To wow. This- Gosh, what, if you were to, cause we're talking to those people out in the community that are just really trying to lean in and learn well, how to love mm. and to love um, their, especially their partner. 
Um, and you, you guys have had to like, I mean, if you had to deep dip deep in the well to find what, what things did you have to like discover about yourself to actually make um, a character priority so that you could, you know, move through these hardships and challenges of distance and all kinds of other um, things that would, could have worked against you? What, what did you find? I love that question. I think one of the biggest things is we both had to be really honest with ourselves about what we wanted mm. and why we were doing this and what the like, like what the long-term goal and vision was. And that was something that was pretty clear from day one was that we had found our person and that we were both 100% in and willing to whatever we needed to do to be able to physically like be together in the same country. Um, And so that was a huge thing. I think the other thing is like, we had to, like, we both embraced one another so deeply for who we were individually and what we brought into the relationship. And that's something that like, I still am in awe of what my husband, Dan does today is he's always been very receptive to what, like, he is just extremely receptive. And so we adopted a few practices early on that really helped throughout the process. So we've been together. It's kind of crazy. Um, next month will be a decade we've been together. And nice. then also um, six years that we've been married. And since we, so not since we met, but since that month in South Africa, there isn't a single night that we go to bed without saying our gratitude to one another. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that part. That just gives me goosebumps. I love that. I mean, uh, there's been a few nights where it's like he's on shift and like we like things get crazy, you know, Um, but it is never like that is the like gluing piece that like no matter what the day has brought, if there was an argument or frustration or like we are disconnected because you know, raising a human there, it can create a lot of disconnect. So it always, no matter what has happened, like that is always the link that it's like, we go to bed, just reconnecting with like, and it doesn't, the gratitude doesn't have to be about each other. It's what are we grateful for in that day? And what it's helped us Mm -hmm. remind one another, what is important to us individually. And just like really seeing like, Like for me, when I hear his gratitude, I know that's the stuff that lights him up. So I try to create more space for that in our life and in our family and vice versa. So that's something like, if I could say anything, you need to adopt a practice that is supportive for you. Everyone's practice is going to be different, but something that brings you back together, no matter how far apart you may or may not be, you have to have that like link that unites you. Yeah. I love that. Oh my gosh. We could talk so long and hard about that. So we're going to have to come back and talk even greater amounts because uh, obviously, but I am obviously in the realm of, you know, attachment and connection and belonging and how we um, are really hardwired for this. And that when we find that safe and secure connect point with another person, it catapults us to become the best versions of ourselves. And so here you are evolving, probably using a lot of those. You're just a courageous person anyway. And it's very interesting that you, um, your 
your name is strong. But anyway, tell us now, you're now moving into this arena of being a courage coach. Tell me what a courage coach is. Oh, I'm so grateful. So it's, it's, I, I feel like I need to start with like my husband's story and like, my husband had to start completely over coming from South Africa to the United uh-huh. States. The way that our systems function is completely different. And he went through every odd and end type of job and then was doing what he could to like make money, but was to be honest, miserable. And so there was one day we came home and I was like, I've had enough. Like, this is not how I want us to live our life. Like you're miserable, miserable, like this was before we even had our daughter. And so we sat down there one evening and really just went through and I'm like, okay, what is every job you've ever had? What were the things you loved about it? What were the things that lit you up? What were the things that like you wish you like could have done more of? And what were the things that you hated that depleted you that like, we just went through this whole process. And that was literally how him becoming a firefighter was birthed. And I share that because he's like, so sweet. He reminds me all the time. He's like, love, like, you started this and you like you, our lifestyle has been built out of like you really tapping into people's potential and honing in on their skills oh, and wow. being a courage coach. Like for me, it's such a sacred and special experience and space and container that I get to be a part of and hold. But really what it is, is it's taking the woman. I, sorry, men don't know if men listen to this, but I'm definitely. <laughs> They do, but it's okay. It's okay. Go ahead. (laughs) You did it first for your husband, right? (laughs) My husband was my like first and only man in this, but um, really what it is, is like creating the sacred container so that people can really just feel supported and safe and just like can open up about like who they are and really what they want. Because I think so many times in our lives, we live the should life or we live the Mm. expectation life or yes. we get in the hustle life or, Oh, I can keep buying bigger cars and bigger houses and more and more and more if I do this. But at the end of the day, is that really what is fueling your soul and making you happy? And can you say that you are living your truth in your dream life? And yeah, I tr- love that. I do think we go through life, um, not even challenging our thoughts and insulating us with our, our just familiarity because it's comfortable um, not only individually in our own life pursuits, but like collectively, even in our relationships and taking, not taking those vulnerable risks and, and having those really not sometimes hard conversations, but also some very deeper conversations of knowing, knowing self and knowing each other. So um, is this what a courage coach does? Well, so courage coach, then like after creating that safe container and really getting like helping my client get clear on what it is that they like truly want, like forget the judgment, forget the like criticism, forget anything else, even forget like a reason, like what they truly want. I then go through a series of tactical information and just like, like tangible resources to create a really specific roadmap to actually have that be a possibility. So it's one thing to discover it and figure it out, but like how to actually make it happen. And so we work like mind, body, spirit, soul, all levels to really be able to like embody and create the courage and have the tangible roadmap on like how, like, okay, like figure it out. I wanted that, but how do I even like, where do I even begin? So that is courage coaching. 
I love it. I love it. And I love that it was born out of that deep abiding trust that um, and connection that you found for your husband to want to have him become his best version of himself, right? Yes. Oh, wow. What a great story. Yeah, so, my goodness, I know that we are going to have to cut it short. I'm going to have you back because <laughs> I, there's so much rich information here. And um, I just really just wanted you to share your love story because, listen, I work with high conflict couples. They're up against all kinds of challenges. They need to hear that there are other people that work really hard because they think it's supposed to be easy, but that is the hardest love story I have ever heard. And you are the happiest. And and if if people can go on my YouTube channel and see the video of this, you'll see her beaming when she's telling the story. And so congratulations to you guys 10 years later. And here you are, and you are um, both, um, now in settled, rooted in the same country, no back and forth. You have this beautiful daughter and you have built the life that you, you, you weren't dreaming of and you made it happen. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank Absolutely. You. So if anybody wants to just kind of follow you and, and um, you know, stay in touch with you, can you tell my community how to do that? Yes, would love that. So you can check out, I'm on Instagram at Ashley Strong Smith underscore. So they're all things courage, coaching, photography, and then a little bit about my Living Courageously podcast. And then you nice. can find everything on my website. It's ashleystrongsmith.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ashley. And you have a very great holiday season. Thank you, you too. I appreciate this. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening, Love Leaders. Be sure to check out all our links in the show notes and visit me at shannonrobertscounseling.com. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe so you won't miss any others. Until next time, go lead in loving well.